As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? As we close in on halftime for the Monday night game, the Saints and the Dolphins, I figure I uh, would get started. Uh, doing the show so I'm not up until two o'clock in the morning <laughs> trying to record it so it's there for you guys first thing uh, in the morning uh, it's vi- it's a victory episode we've only had five of these uh, these this year and um, uh, two of them were for beating the Lions so yeah that's not really a lot of fun in club dub this year but for- yay we beat the Lions just like literally everyone else has up to this point Hey, how about that? Everyone except the, the the Steelers when we went on the Thanksgiving game. So anyway, it was a it was a fun game yesterday or at least it ended fun. The, the it was frustrating for the most part leading up to the fourth quarter and then the Bears decided that um the entire football team would show up for the fourth quarter when the offense scored uh twice and the defense didn't allow any points. So that was uh Quite a revelation to see both teams or both phases uh, working with one another uh, on that one. I mean, how many times have we talked, uh, especially towards the middle of the season there, about how, you know, Fields would lead the offense to do something and then, uh, you know, to either get in within a score or maybe tie the game or in the Steelers game to take the lead, only needing a stop from the defense to be able to put ourselves in a position to go and take the lead or save the game and win it and things like that, and the defense lets us down. Thankfully, that did not happen yesterday. I, I fully expected it to because we had uh, Russell Wilson had one minute and two timeouts after we scored the uh, two, two-point conversion uh, to give us the lead, but uh, the Bears held on. Uh, <laughs> not that Bruce Irvin didn't try to give it back after we'd won the game, but thankfully, because it was a dead ball foul on a turnover on downs, it just penalized where the starting point for the offense was so they could kneel the ball and game, get the game over with. But, uh, you know, it's uh, you know Bruce Irvin tried to give it back to his old teammates and uh, see about making it just a tad bit more exciting than it needed to be uh, yesterday. So let's go ahead and, and, and dig into this uh, football game and uh, close the book on Week 16, get ready for the Giants' Next Sunday on week 17, the first game of 2022, 
because it will be January 2nd when we take on the Giants. This is the Week 16 Deep Dive Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud. A cold and wintry, snowy uh, Seattle is where the game took place uh, on Sunday. And uh, I know you're asking, Larry, why is that weird in December? Well, it isn't. For us here in the Midwest, uh, it's not weird for anyone on the East Coast, but it's it's not completely rare out there in the Pacific Northwest. But they they treat snowstorms in the out there like they would in Texas or in the South, where it snows very very rarely, and it's basically it can shut down the entire city, and it's it's remarkable actually when when you know it snows here in the Midwest because it always snows here uh, in the Midwest. And as I talk about this, we're still waiting for our first snowstorm of the year uh, here in late December, you know, and here I am begging it to come like a dumbass. but six inches, eight inches. I mean, those, I mean, that it's not, it doesn't always happen that way. Usually you just get a, you know, a couple inches here and there uh, or whatever, but you still got to go to work tomorrow. You still got to drop the kids off to school and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like out there, it shuts everything down. I remember uh, John Clayton, the uh, the ESPN reporter forever. Uh, he's based in Seattle. And he was talking about a time where it snowed out there one time and people left their cars on the highway and walked home. I've never heard of something so stupid in all my life. And it was like two inches of snow, enough snow to make a footprint and these people are freaking out and they, they maybe have like 10 snow plows in the entire city. This is a metropolitan city in, in the United States in in Seattle where like, granted it doesn't snow a lot. So there probably isn't like a budget for these kinds of things, but there has to be some kind of emergency budget. God forbid if it does happen. And yet these people in these places go into absolute panic mode when this happens, they act like the sun, or excuse me, the snow is made out of nitroglycerin, and if you drive your car across it, it will explode. It's unbelievable. And meanwhile, we here in the Midwest are like, you pussies, like, just go to work. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it made for uh, interesting conditions for the game yesterday. And and like I was saying in the, uh, you hear me saying the knee-jerk reactions, you hear me say it he, uh, in the Bear Up, Bear Down show yesterday, that um, I didn't really feel like it overall affected the game. The only real effect I that I really saw yesterday was um, was the fact that uh, you didn't really seem that same burst off the line of scrimmage from everyone. You know, like their 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 grip on the field wasn't as steady or solid as it would have been under normal conditions. Like it, it it gets cold in Seattle. There's there's no you know they're not they're not unfamiliar with that, but the snow and everything is where it kind of throws them off a little bit. And the, you know the the snow kept coming to the point where it covered you know the the entire field, and they had to do the whole thing where they they plow the yard lines so you know where they are and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't feel like it was hampering the field or hampering the game too much. Like I said, I didn't think that I saw anybody like there weren't any interceptions because somebody slipped and fell coming out of their break or something like that. 
You know, the ball didn't come slipping out of somebody's hands because it was wet from the snow and, you know, there weren't any costly turnovers due to the weather conditions. So it, it didn't really affect the game in that way. So um, so it really you really couldn't sit there and, and say, kind of like if the Bears had beaten the Cardinals a few weeks ago, you really could have, you know, leaned on the weather being a contributing factor in that uh, in that outcome. But yesterday's, you, you couldn't really lean on the weather uh, doing that in, in yesterday's game. So it, it, it was cool to look at. It, you don't really get to see too many games uh, like that anymore. But other than that, I don't really feel like it, you know, uh, affected the football game other than the receivers and DBs and, you know, like the defensive linemen coming off the ball didn't really have that same oomph, that same burst coming out of their first step uh, and things like that. But otherwise, the game was was normal. So, anyway, we go up there. They're 5-9. and nine. We're 4-10. and ten. This is a, not a – and, you know, the, the, the Seahawks still holding on to an infinitesimal, you know, percentage of a playoff hope because it's the NFC and it's a top-heavy conference. But we're also talking about a conference that I think had five of the seven uh, – playoff bursts locked up going into the day or by the end of the day we'd have five out of seven locked up so you got like you know I think eight or nine teams still quote-unquote in the hunt that were uh, playing for for a spot and I think the the Bears officially eliminated the Seahawks yesterday uh, with the win but you know you're going into this and um, the Bears still being affected by COVID still missing guys like Jalen Johnson and Allen Robinson uh, we lost Akeem Hicks on Thursday to to COVID. Uh, for every like two guys we brought back, we lost one. That happened all throughout the uh, all throughout the week. You know, on on I think on on Tuesday we got like Artie Burns and and Duke Shelley back, but we lost Bilal Nichols. Thankfully, he cleared protocols and he did play yesterday. But uh, like Wednesday, we got a couple guys back. Larry Borum was one of those guys, and then. Uh, Eddie Jackson, but we lost Jesper Horstead. And then Thursday, we got Andy Dalton and somebody else back, but we lost Akeem Hicks. So it's like it was – and it, the outbreak is still killing the rest of the league uh, as well. So didn't have any postponements uh, this week. The schedule went through as scheduled, so there won't be any uh, – there was, there was no Monday doubleheader like there was last week, and there's no uh, Tuesday doubleheader tomorrow uh which the Seahawks actually took part in last week so even though we were on a short week for six days the Seahawks only had five to get ready for us so um it was an interesting situation but despite COVID and despite the injuries that we've had no Justin Fields due to an ankle injury and it they say he hurt his ankle in the second quarter of the Vikings game I don't remember see him limping or gimping around or anything like that during the ball game and didn't hear a thing about this ankle injury until Wednesday, his first day, until the first day of practice for the week, and he was limited with the ankle injury. Okay, sure. So they're letting him ease into it, or maybe he's still a little sore or whatever. Thursday didn't practice, Friday didn't practice, and now he's out. And even though Dandy, Andy, <clears throat> excuse me, still recovering from my cold. Um, even though Andy Dalton was back off the COVID list, 
he was listed as out on Friday with a uh, groin injury. So his the other injury was to his non-throwing hand. That wasn't going to keep him out. So I'm guessing it was the groin injury that held him out of Sunday's game. So that meant that Nick Foles, who hasn't played it down for us all year, has only dressed for a couple of games, is actually was our going to be was going to be our starter on Sunday. And that's the luxury of having Foles and uh, Dalton was that we're we're not going to who we typically would have had to go with. I mean, well, actually, the backup quarterback situation hasn't been a bad thing since Nagy came to town because we, we weren't going from here's a you know starter-level quarterback to a guy that you wouldn't have starting on a peewee league right now. Uh, we, we've, you know, with the with the addition of Chase Daniel in 2018, when um, when uh, Nagy first came to town, we've at least had a competent backup quarterback, uh, you know, backing up our starter as opposed to this guy that you wouldn't give to anybody or that you wouldn't wish upon anybody to be the starter of your football team. Uh, we signed a guy on the practice to the practice squad last week and he was our backup yesterday so god forbid if anything had happened to lead foot foals out there while he was trying to scramble a couple of times which just tell me that didn't make your heart skip a thousand beats watching him try to scramble yesterday but uh thankfully he made it through the ball game so we got to stick with foals um i wasn't so much upset that foals was starting i was upset that justin fields wasn't you know, it's an ankle injury. I think I've made pretty clear my my stance on ankle injuries, and my stance is, uh, unless the ligaments are torn or something like that, put some goddamn tape on it and get out there. I mean, it's an ankle injury. You'll live. So uh, anyway, that's just how I feel about it. Um, you know, there's there's that whole thing from the for those for those that uh, remember that movie, the program is like you're either hurt. Or you're injured. If you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you can't. When you have an ankle injury, you're hurt. Get your ass out there. You know, like I said, unless there's torn ligaments and broken bones, put some tape on it and get your ass out there. That's just how I feel about ankle. Like the like Akeem Hicks missing four weeks or like five weeks and six games, you know, whatever it was, just a ridiculous amount of time for an ankle injury. Unless there were torn ligaments, that should have been a tape job at halftime and get your ass back out there. Just how I feel about it. You know, when it comes to ankle injuries, like I have no sympathy. You've got all week to get ready, put some tape on it, and get your ass out there, period. So, like, I I, I just, uh, for, I, it's just the thing about ankle. I, I suffered my uh, fair share of ankle injuries during my playing days in high school and my one year in college uh, and things like that. Ankle injuries never slowed me down. It sucked and it hurt, but you played because it's just an ankle injury. You'll be fine. So, but he's also the future. You don't want to make things worse. I'm guessing that the reason that he was out because he was limited on Wednesday was that he aggravated the injury somehow. Uh, And that's why he didn't practice on Thursday or Friday and was listed as out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Nagy today in the press conference said there's no intent to shut fields down for the rest of the year because of his ankle or that he's getting banged up and things like that. But so we have that at least that, you know, we probably see Fields play next week. But um, so Foles was was our starter. Um, so we were expecting a different, maybe kind of more subdued offense versus what was cap- what we would have been capable of with Fields out there. It also takes away the 
uh, old Russell Wilson versus the new Russell Wilson type matchup uh, that I think we were all looking forward to. But what are you going to do? So we get into the into the first quarter, and you know if you guys remember talking to our uh, our guest on on Thursday, Michael Sean uh, Dugar from the Athletic in Seattle was talking about the the Seattle defense kind of being that bend 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 but never break type defense. Like yardage wise, they're one of the worst defenses in the league, but they've got a top five scoring defense, which means they don't give up a lot of points. So. Going into the first quarter, that's exactly what we saw, and it was kind of like, oh, God, here we go again with this. We're going to watch this team march up and down the field and then fall flat on their faces when it comes to trying to put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> oh, knee-jerk reaction. First quarter, Bears and Seahawks, and oh, boy. Well, um, Number one, it's it's a snowy, cold, wintry wonderland uh, in Seattle. Uh, temperature is like below 30. It's been snowing since this morning. It's still snowing now. Um, and uh, you can see it's, it's affecting the game a little bit. You know, you're, you're not seeing, you're not really seeing burst, from, especially from the, the skill guys on the outside, the DBs and the wide receivers, you know, um, but nonetheless, overall, it's not, you know, taking over the football game or anything like that. But you, you can definitely see that it's, it's slowed the game down a little bit. And you thought that might favor the Bears with the running game and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, we, trade, we go three and outs. I think both teams traded three and outs now that I'm thinking about it. And um, then on the second drive for Seattle, uh, they were able to... Um, get a couple of plays, and then Russell Wilson hits DK Metcalf wide open down the sideline because they had him one-on-one with Thomas Graham. Thomas Graham, no safety help, no nothing, uh, you know, gets beat to the outside, 41-yard touchdown pass, Seahawks up 7 nothing, and then the Bears get the ball back, obviously, and go on a 51, or excuse me, 15-play, 71-yard drive. It takes up eight and a half minutes. The last four plays were from inside the five-yard line, and we walked away with nothing. Nothing. So there it was, just, just like our just like Michael Sean Dugard talked about during the during the ep, during the preview episode, how the Seahawks will give you all the yards, but when it comes to scoring, they won't. I mean, four plays from the five, they shut the Bears down. I mean, and we also had some of the worst play calling I've seen uh, on that drive. So on that on that fi- from the five yard line, just awful. So you know, we come away with nothing right now. We're on defense, and, and you know, Seattle starting from inside their own five at the two yard line. So it's a field position game now. But we didn't go for the field goal. I mean, I'm not. I don't sweat Nagy for going for it on fourth down. We need to score the points. But you know, the play calling was horrific. And we deserve to come away uh, with nothing. So we're down 7 nothing. Like I said, Seattle's pinned at their own goal line. See if the Bears can hold them back, play the field position game, and, and take advantage on the next drive. So we, we, we followed the script, basically. We were able to move the ball uh, down the field. The Bears, who are statistically one of the worst teams in the league on third down, convert a few different third down situations. And not like 
third and one either. There was a, a you know a first down throw to to, to Daz Newsom on third and nine. Uh, Marquise Goodwin had a tough catch to convert on third and eight. Uh, in situations like that, it was a 15 play drive. Guys, 71 yards. We get all the way down to the two yard line, and <laughs> like I we ran the Wildcats, which has been successful at times, but in this particular ball game. When you're inside the five-yard line, you're basically just begging them to run blitz and shoot the gaps uh, when you're running that uh, Wildcat. And uh, so that play went absolutely nowhere. And then on fourth down, uh, Foles just gets the ball out quickly, throws it out to Montgomery, who's still at the three-yard line, who was also double-teamed or double-covered, I should say. I don't know what he was expecting there. I really don't when he threw that ball uh, to Montgomery, but that was our fourth down play. We never had a shot that we never had a shot as far as, you know, him picking uh, Montgomery as the receiver to throw the ball to. Uh, I do believe like going back and, and looking at the, at the review or the replay that um, we had a receiver on a slant route. It had just come open in the back of the end zone, but the ball was already gone. So um, take that for which will, but fourth down either was like no gain or maybe we got a yard and we got turned away. 15 plays, 71 yards, eight and a half minutes, zero points. Nothing. So, and, and like I said, during the, during the reaction, I don't, be, I don't begrudge Nagy one bit for going for it on fourth down with the way that this team, A, struggles to get in the red zone, and B, struggles to score points as mightily as we do. You got to try to. You got to try. You got to try. You, he, wanted, he was finally showing that uh, aggression that we saw earlier in his coaching tenure. You know, the guy that went for it on fourth down, fourth down more times than not. The guy that went for the score rather than settling for the field goal and, uh, and what have you, he went for it. And I don't begrudge him at all. It's, it's, you know, what have you got to lose at this point? If you come away with nothing, big deal. It's like, obviously that would be frustrating and that's the last thing that we want. But I would much rather he's going for six than settling for three in that, in that instance. So, you know, and it was a decision that didn't end up killing us, thankfully. So, I mean, we definitely could have used those points. I mean, even if he had settled for a field goal, I wonder how the outcome of the football game ends up, you know, with the, like the, the last drive, are we just going for a field goal as opposed to trying to score a touchdown, you know, that kind of thing. So, but, um, so we come away with nothing there, but it puts us in a good spot in the second quarter as far as the, you know, Seattle makes the stop. And, and I guess maybe that was part of the, and, and it has to be, we, you know, you have to think ahead that if we don't convert here, then we've got the Seahawks pinned literally in their own on their own goal line. Uh, they're running their offense out of the out of their own end zone, and at the very least, we should have some decent field position in the second quarter. And that's exactly how it worked out. So we 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 shut them down three and out from inside their own end zone, and then they punt the ball away, and we were able to turn it into a score. However. Another problem that the Bears have had from time to time rears its ugly head because the defense can't seem to stop our opponents from answering any time that we score. <coughs> New York reaction, second quarter, Bears and Seahawks. And the second quarter got off to a promising start. Uh, you know, even after the Bears fell off flat on their faces on their first uh, goal-to-go situation, uh, four plays from inside the five, and we got nothing. Um, 
the you know we hold the the Seahawks. They go nowhere on that drive. They punt from their own end zone. Daz Newsom. It was actually a really short punt too. Newsom caught it inside the fifty, and and was able to take it all the way down to the fifteen yard line. Now forgive me for not being excited about the return because it put us right back in the red zone where we are literally the worst team in the NFL. However. The Bears were able to, uh, even after a holding penalty on first down, which pushed us back to the 25, were able to get the ball inside the five-yard line. Uh, two running attempts from Montgomery, and we're in the end zone to tie the ball game at seven. And then it's just, you know, we can't figure out now how to stop Wilson and this offense. Um They've resorted mostly to to throwing the ball, which is odd in these uh, weather conditions. But it, it's working for the for the Seahawks because we, I guess the the defense is really keyed in on Wilson possibly breaking the pocket and running because anytime he does, somebody is wide open, and the the plays haven't been you know gut wrenching or anything like that, but they've been. You know, they've been enough to move the chains. And, um, you know, the Seahawks have put together a couple of scoring drives uh, here in the second quarter. And they're up 17-7 to at the uh, halftime gun. Kicked a field goal just before the end of the quarter. Um, the Bears start with the ball. And it's not so much that I dislike anything that the Bears are doing on offense. Um you know, Foles is getting the ball out quickly. Uh, you know, we're we're, uh, we're we're avoiding mistakes. We dodged a bullet. Uh, I'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, but it just it's it's just the same old offense. We should have at least ten points on the board. You know, if we'd have gone for the field goal on that first goal line drive, or it should be seventeen fourteen right now. You know, we should have scored if we'd have just had some better play calling, or if we'd have done what we did on the last drive. Just keep giving the ball to Montgomery. Let him run the damn thing, you know, downhill, get it in the end zone. But it is what it is. We do start with the ball, see if we can close the gap, and, uh, you know, make a game of this. Rumor says if we lose today, Nagy's fired. So maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to happen if we did lose. So I'm just saying. So the bullet that we dodged was uh, Foles uh, was back to throw. Pocket was closing in on him. Hand gets slapped as he's throwing the ball. And initially it was on the field ruled as incomplete. Then it was reversed to a fumble because it it was really, really close. Even slowed down, it was really close. So I could definitely see how in in real time, as it happened, the officials kind of disagreed with each other because when they showed the the replay kind of like from the end zone view, you see the the umpire that's behind Foles throw out the little beanbag to kind of like spot a turnover. Like this is where the ball was, uh, you know, fumbled or, or what have you. And it was actually like a, a line judge or a back judge that kind of overruled him and said, forwarded progress with the hand or whatever so it's incomplete then after their little conference on the field 
they reverse it and say and go with what the referee said, the umpire, and say, oh, no, actually it's a fumble. It's Seattle's ball. And then because it was a turnover, it's an automatic booth review. So we go to commercial and come back to find now it's been reruled as an incomplete pass and the Bears dodge the bullet on the uh, on the turnover. So for all the good things that Foles did yesterday, he avoided two huge mistakes in this ballgame, number one being that fumble, and then there was also a strip sack fumble on the game-winning drive that happened just a couple of plays before the throw to Jimmy Graham uh, for the game-winning touchdown. But, I mean, it was just a weird sequence right there in the middle of the second quarter that, uh, you know, we – it was an incomplete pass, then it was a turnover, then it was reviewed and reruled as an incomplete pass, and uh, it became like third and 12 uh, for the Bears, and then we converted on that play. that we, For a team that's so terrible on third down, we converted some pretty big third downs yesterday. And uh, even more ironically, the touchdown to Jimmy Graham was on third and 14. So it's like overall, I think we were at like – 50% or more on third down, and that was a big reason why we were successful uh, against the Seahawks. We just kept we kept ourselves out there. We kept staying alive uh, on offense. I think we had like 15 minutes of time of possession advantage because the when the Seahawks would score, it would be four plays in 60 yards, and then we would score, it would be you know, 15 plays, 12 plays, 14, 12 plays, you know, that kind of thing. It was the Seahawks didn't, I think they had one long touchdown drive, and that was the one where they went up uh, seven, uh, 14 to 7, actually. You know, they started off at the 26-yard uh, line, and it was 12 plays, 74 yards uh, to to take the, to retake the lead at 14-7. At uh, so I think that was like the one long drive that they had. Their other scoring drives where, you know, four plays, 61 yards, or, you know, something like that. It was not a long, arduous truck trek down the field to get the ball in the end zone like it was for the Bears. The The big playability for the Seahawks was still there for them uh, yesterday. But, you know, that bullet, that was the bullet that was dodged. Um, and, and like I said, the, the, the punt return, uh, it was nice to see us hit the starting field position, but we're right back in our problem area inside the red zone where we all of a sudden go full-blown when we when we get out there and we, we pick the worst play calls. We're, you know, we're, we're having a bunch formation to the short side of the field, and then that's where we throw the ball. We throw the ball where all the bodies are. Okay, that's a great idea. Throw it in, into traffic in a condensed area. I don't understand when the Bears try to do that. and that, Like when, when Foles threw that pass, to Montgomery, he was throwing it into double coverage, but also we had like two receivers lined up on that side. So those guys are immediately going to release from, from their receivers to come after uh, Montgomery. So you had a guy covering him, and you had a, a linebacker in pursuit, not to mention the other DBs that are coming uh, You know, from uh, defending their receivers. They've got the time and the space to get there. And it just never makes any, any sense what the Bears do in those situations. That's why we're one of the worst, worst red zone teams in the league. But like I said, we decided to stick with what works and what works is letting one of the toughest running backs in the NFL run downhill. And that's what we got. So he crashes in from one yard out to make it, uh, you know, uh, seven to seven. 
And then, of course, like I said, the, the Seahawks came right back down the field, 12 plays, 74 yards to make it 14-7. to seven. And it was really not fun at all watching this football game when Rashad Penny, who was a first-round pick for the Seahawks, and for, for the most part, when, he's, when he hasn't been hurt, he's been hurt a lot. When he hasn't been hurt, he's been a pretty disappointing uh, choice for the Seahawks. And I remember it was a disappointing choice when they made that pick because they didn't really need a running back at the time, uh, but they took him. I think it was one of those years where they could have used like a defensive end or a wide receiver or something like that, and they took him, and he was a disaster. Uh, that was the year that uh, they drafted him in the first round and Chris Carson in the seventh round, and Chris Carson has been a much more steady and stable uh, running back, but with the injuries and such, Chris Carson didn't play on Sunday. Rashad Penny did, and it didn't make a difference because Rashad Penny runs like we probably would have anticipated Chris Carson uh, being able to. This was the guy that was averaging like 12 yards a carry because he had like a buck 50 on 13 carries on us. He just, anytime that he touched the ball, if he didn't get stuffed, he ran for 25 yards. It was, he would, that's how he played the entire uh, football game. But, you know, the second half or the second quarter, was, uh, was uh, you know, a, a, a feast or famine kind of quarter. You know, we had that return. We are able to get the ball into the end zone to tie it up, but then the defense goes ahead and lets them march right down the field to, uh, um, to, to retake the lead. And then, uh, you know, when I was talking about on the Bear Bear Down show with Montgomery and his stats, he only had 45 yards rushing on 21 carries, so barely two yards a uh, carry. Uh, in yesterday's game, but as I'm sitting here looking at my notes, I keep seeing things like Mustafa Hold erases 12-yard run from Montgomery. That happened a few times yesterday, that Montgomery would have a 10-yard run, an 11-yard run, or in this case, a 12-yard run that automatically would come back for some kind of penalty, whether it was a hold or like an illegal motion uh, or something like that. Montgomery probably should have had around 70-ish yards rushing if the penalties wouldn't have kept calling them back so you know he had a better day running the ball than the stats would uh would allow and um we also kept uh we we had two opportunities for an interception on Wilson and both of them were dropped Artie Burns who dropped one last week or a couple weeks ago uh against the Packers also dropped one from Wilson uh yesterday so we go into the half down 17 to seven, but we start with the uh, with the football, and um, you know, waiting to see if the Bears can uh, can make a ball game of it. But once again, we do score a touchdown in the third quarter to narrow the to narrow the deficit. But again, defense can hold, and and you know, the Seahawks come marching right back down the field to retake the lead. <coughs> Knee jerk reaction: third quarter, Bears and. Seahawks, and this has been more of a back-and-forth kind of quarter uh, for these teams. Um, they, they kind of they traded punts on, on the first drives, and um, then after that, the Bears drove the length of the, a length of the field, a, a decent-looking drive to, uh, you know, in the third quarter there. And it was 10 plays, 82 yards, five and a half minutes, off the clock and it was Khalil Herbert 
that runs it in from 20 yards out to give the Bears the, uh, you know, the, it was 17 to 14 uh, after that. And the only problem with that was that the uh, Seahawks came right back down the field. A had a decent return on the kickoff where Cairo Santos got knocked to the ground and, you know, a, he's a kicker. B, the ground's got to be like concrete with the, with the snow and the and the cold and everything. He was walking gingerly back to the sideline. We'll we'll, we'll see how that comes into affect the the Bears if they score. But they took that one. Four plays, sixty-four yards, uh, two big chunk plays essentially. A really nice run from. Rashad Perry, they're, they're starting running back for 30-plus yards, and then a like, couple plays later, uh, wide open Gerald Everett uh, on the play action where uh, Kendall Vildor got caught looking in the backfield and uh, let, Monk, let uh, Everett get wide open uh, in the corner for the touchdown to put the Seahawks back up by 10, 24-14, which is where we sit now. The Bears ended the, dry, or ended the quarter – on a really good-looking drive. We started about our 20, 25, something like that. And it, it's like there's a real good rhythm to this particular drive. Not so much to the offense itself, but to this drive. Moving the ball down the field fairly effectively. Uh, we're deep in Seattle territory. I think we're inside the red zone again as we're coming back from commercial. Let's see if the Bears can uh, get this in the end zone and then... Maybe this will help us find out what's going on with Santos if we go in for two or kicking an extra point. So it was more of, of, a, of a back and forth uh, kind of game, which we unfortunately haven't seen the Bears get involved in too much uh, this year. Uh, it, it's been one thing that um, we, we try to deliver some kind of blow, but we immediately get countered. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what was happening here with the Seahawks was that, you know, we scored that touchdown to uh, to start the second half, but four plays, 60-something yards later, they're right back on the board. So it, it basically cancels out all of our efforts. Ten plays, 82 yards, uh, you know, five and a half minutes taken off the board gets erased in, you know, maybe a minute or two because it only took four plays for the Seahawks. And like I said in the reaction, it was two Chunk plays. It was a 32-yard run by Perry and then a 24-yard touchdown throw to, to Gerald Everett where Kendall Vildor, A, did not follow his assignment, and then B, uh, you know, he bit on the play fake when he should have been playing deep third. So um, it, uh, it was a bad move on his part, and it's just, you know, adding to the season that, uh, that he's been having. But, um, you know, the Bears were able to move the ball uh, fairly well and um, – you know, on that on that drive, I didn't make a lot of notes on that on that drive, so it must have been a very kind of garden variety, just move the ball down the field uh, kind of thing. But it was Khalil Herbert from twenty yards out, probably one of the better run plays the Bears have run all season long. That uh, it was kind of like a, a sprint draw, which it was just a, a slight hesitation before he takes off, not a full blown you know, under center, seven-step drop, then you hand off the ball kind of draw. This is what they call more of a sprint draw. They're in the shotgun. Foles takes the ball or takes the snap, holds onto the ball for a split second, then hands it off to uh, Herbert. And 
Um, I believe you had James Daniels coming around the edge on a pull, and it just opened up all the lanes because Herbert ran 20 yards, didn't get touched by anybody on his way to the end zone. It was just wide open, lane, and there was a, a big hole to get through the line of scrimmage, and then the blocking downfield opened up lanes. Like he Nobody laid a finger on him. It was some of the best blocking and execution that we've seen from the Bears and their offense. Very reminiscent of the uh, Jakeem Grant uh, sweep against the Packers a couple of weeks ago where it was just all he had to do was stay in bounds and stay upright. You just pick the right path and stay in bounds and you'll score because nobody's going to touch you kind of thing. That's what happened with with Herbert yesterday. I really wish we'd do that a bit more. I mean, it's very difficult in the NFL to get a perfect run play like that, but we've seen the Bears do it twice in a pretty short period uh, of time. Makes you wonder why we can't do that more often. It just... What's what's up with you know the fact that we just can't execute that well, you know I don't want to say all the time, but more often, it's uh, other teams make it look so easy and we make it look so goddamn impossible uh, sometimes. So again, we we come in and we score to narrow the gap, and then we immediately on defense give up another score to kind of erase the efforts, keep the deficit at ten going into the fourth quarter with an offense that struggles to score more than seventeen or so points a game and our opponent already has 24. So the outlook going into the fourth quarter was bleak to say the least, but we had a, we have a, you know, St. Nick Foles out there as you'll hear me refer to him as a, uh, his other nickname during the knee jerk reaction. But, um, you know, we, uh, we weren't out of miracles. Nick Foles still had one left and uh, made made it so that the uh, Chicago Bear fan base could find a victory in their Christmas stocking this year. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Seahawks, and Bruce Irvin was almost the most hated man in Chicago because the Bears win the game. The Bears won. They actually Held Seattle, uh, you know, scoreless in the fourth quarter. Scored t- uh, eleven points of our own. We we kicked a field goal um, to start off the fourth quarter. We go back and forth with Seattle. We finally we get the ball at our own twenty with two timeouts and two fifty six to go in the game. We number one the first play of that drive a thirty yard completion to Mooney where he probably muscled his... I mean, this is Darnell Mooney we're talking about. Darnell Mooney struggled and fought and scratched his way to turn like a 15-yard gain into a 30-yard gain (coughs) Mm. to get us to midfield, and Seattle was flagged for roughing the passer. So we went from being at our own 20 to the Seattle 35 in one play. And, you know... We're back in the dreaded red zone where all of a sudden we lose all of our creativity and our ability to make plays. But we got Big Dick Nick in the quarterback spot, so of course we're coming back here, right? So sure enough, Nick uh, Foles throws one up, a jump ball to Jimmy Graham in the end zone for the touchdown to make it 24-23, to and I start texting everybody that I know is watching the game. Like my dad, my buddy, uh, you know, my buddy Fritz and everybody's like, go for two, go for two to hell with it. 
go for two, go for the win, get the hell out of town. Sure enough, we go for two. Demir Bird, my God, man. Demir Bird makes a crazy catch in the back of the end zone. Not only does he catch it, he catches it in traffic with at least two or three Seahawks back there. Gets the foot down, and then I'm looking for the other foot, but instead it's the knee that comes down first. And De- and Bird only has the ball in one hand, maintains control all the way to the ground for the two-point conversion. And the Bears hold with the Seahawks uh, you know, on their last-dish effort. And on the last, on fourth and six, it's Irvin that rushes Wilson to make a desperation throw. He overthrows it and gets flagged for taunting. Flagged for taunting. Now, two things immediately come to mind when this happens. Number one, uh, I want to find out where Bruce Irvin lives so I can kill him. And number two, when they assess the penalty, they assess it against the Bears after the turnover on down. So the Bears still have the ball, but they just, you know, have a 15-yard penalty against them. The first thought that comes to mind when when that happened was, why the hell didn't that happen against the Steelers? It was like, it was still a turnover on down. We, you know, they punt, or it was, no, actually it wasn't. It was going to be fourth down. But even still, it, it's a dead ball, dead ball call. Why wasn't it then assessed uh, it just uh i guess because it wasn't a turnover on down now that i think about it they were going to be uh yeah okay it makes sense now now that i'm thinking about it. you guys are listening to me process it but anyway the good news is santa claus put a put a win in our christmas stocking we get at least one more win out of this team before the end of 2021 we got another very winnable game next week against a very bad New York Giants team in our home finale next Sunday. We'll see what happens. Rumor was Nagy might get fired if we lose tonight. We didn't lose. We didn't play that great either, but we didn't lose. So if we, uh, we're now winners of two of our last ten ball games. So thumbs up, guys. Way to go. We're 5-10 and ten with two games left to go in the 2021 campaign. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk Bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. So you got to hear me process my way through why the Bears were, uh, or how the Bears were penalized due to the uh, taunting call. 
because you're thinking about the, the Cassius Marsh play where the penalty was assessed to give Pittsburgh a first down as opposed to, you know, penalizing the Bears uh, in some way and me realizing that because it was going to be fourth down that the penalty was assessed against the Bears 15 yards and that gave Pittsburgh the first down. And um, that's why that was that's why it was assessed that way, you know. Say if it had happened after the punt, then it would have been a dead ball, and it would have been 15 yards from where the Bears were starting from, which is what happened with the Bruce Irvin thing. But when I saw the flag come out, because they actually kind of show Irvin, uh, you know, showing off to the to the Seattle sideline, and uh, you know, the flag comes out, I immediately think I'm sure a lot of people did immediately thought Irvin just blew this game for us. We just won the game and Irvin just gave the ball back to Seattle. But thankfully it was a dead ball uh, penalty. The result of the play was the bears getting the ball on a turnover on down. So we maintain possession and uh, it's just 15 yards assessed from where the starting point would have been. So it was a no harm, no foul kind of penalty but it definitely sent a shiver up my spine that we just won this game and now Bruce Irvin's just gave the Seahawks another chance to win it. Because I don't know, I don't think the Seahawks had burned a timeout yet or if they still had one to go or or whatever. I don't remember uh, what their timeout situation was. But they had 21 seconds and they would have been in Bears territory after the penalty. So it would, you know, maybe get another first down or, you know, a couple of plays to, to get out of bounds. They would have been in field goal range to kick what would have been a game-winning field goal. A field goal that they had missed earlier in the quarter, by the way. So it was, uh, it was a fortunate situation for it to be a no-harm, no-foul type situation for Bruce Irvin because, trust me, he would have been a dead man had he uh, – you know, had that ball gone back to Seattle and the Seahawks were able to uh, make good on it uh, and win the game thanks to his uh, ignorance uh, on that play. So uh, we luckily dodged that bullet and were able to just kneel the ball and get the hell out of town to uh, to uh, make, it, uh, make it our victory and uh, Seattle's uh, loss. But the quarter leading up to that, you know, they uh, – the Bears kicked a field goal at the start of the uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, where you know we finished the quarter deep in in Seattle territory. Uh, but uh, thanks to we got stuffed on first down, sacked on second down. We had a false start on a feedy on third down to make it goal to go from the seventeen, and then Montgomery uh, dropped the third down pass. I mean, it w- it would have just been getting us closer. He's there's no way he scores. Because number one, he was he was completely turned around and backpedaling, waiting for the ball, uh, kind of thing, and he drops it. So nothing would have happened with that play anyway. Uh, we Monty, or excuse me, Santos kicks the field goal from thirty-five to make it twenty-four to seventeen. So what happens? The Seahawks immediately take it back down the field, and they're like, "Okay, here we go again. We score." So now they score, and you know we had a stupid ass unsportsmanlike conduct call on Alec Ogletree that gave the Seahawks a fresh set of downs, put the ball in Bears territory, and then another big run from Rashad Penny gets the Seahawks deep in Bears territory again. So it's like anytime 
that, like I said, he it was a feast or famine thing with him running the ball. He would get maybe two yards or three, or he'd get 25. He did it half a dozen times yesterday uh, in that ball game, and, and I tweeted out, it's always fun when the Bears' defense makes a first-round disappointment look like a future Hall of Famer because he ran all over us yesterday. Um, but we were able to, on third down, Robert Quinn, who was going up against one of the best left tackles in football uh, yesterday uh, in Dwayne Brown, finally was able in in his – the fact that he's just – his motor is unbelievable, man. The guy just does not stop. He is a whistle-to-the-echo-of-the-whistle kind of guy and um, comes around the edge, ends up having to, like, circle all the way back to get Russell Wilson, sacked him for a 13-yard loss, and it, it's what made it a 39-yard attempt for the, for the Seahawk kicker who pushed it wide left, and that ended up being the, the play of the game right there. It was uh, – you know, Quinn getting that sack to to uh, stop the Seahawks or to push them further back, making it instead of like a chip shot to making it a little bit uh, more of a difficult field goal with those conditions and things like that. And uh, he missed the field goal, and uh, the Bears were able to turn that around uh, as well. So um, we didn't do anything immediately with it. But um, like I said, in, in the knee-jerk reaction, it turns out we get the ball – uh, first and 10 from our own 20-yard line, 2.56 to go and two timeouts. And like I said, we got Big Dick Nick out there, and this is what he's known for. This is what Haley did it to us in the 2018 playoffs. He drove the, you know, uh, the, with the, we're up 15 to 10. Uh, the, the, the Eagles need to score. He marched them right down the field against our top defense, scores a touchdown with, uh, you know, with less than a minute to go to go up 16 to 15. You know, they didn't get the two-point uh, conversion, but they, you know, it was enough for them to win the game because, you know, a few moments later, that moment that has every Bear fan waking up screaming every January, the double doink took place a little bit later on, and the Eagles were able to win that game. Son of a bitch, <laughs> that one still sucks, man. But you know, the 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 Bears uh, were, were I, I like the way that they moved the ball down the field. First of all, with 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 Mooney, I think that really set the tone for the for the drive to see Mooney catch like a 12 to 15 yard pass and then dig and scratch and claw and drag defenders breaking tackles peeling them off of himself to get all the way to the 50 and then the roughing call on Foles gets us another 15 so like I said in the reaction we go from our 20 to their 35 in one play and I think more importantly it was Mooney's effort that really I think charged uh, everybody up um, the funny thing was we, you know, we get then back-to-back catches to Montgomery out of the backfield, which was something that I was begging for in the preview episode. That was my second key to the game was more David Montgomery, more David Montgomery. And what was the first key? Stop beating yourselves. And thankfully, I think we achieved that this week. We, we didn't have the turnovers and in those opportunities where we did have turnovers opportunities, we didn't do it. Uh, you know, the Foles thing, we got we got a lucky, we got, you know, the the gods were on our side on the first one. The second one that was on the game-winning drive, where Foles got strip-sacked by Carlos Dunlap, Jermaine Afidi, who was uh, supposed to be blocking Carlos Dunlap, by the way, uh, just happened to be trailing behind uh, his defender, uh, was running after him after he ran right past him to sack our quarterback, uh, was there in time to dive on the ball, therefore, 
uh, keeping it in the Bears' possession as opposed to immediately giving the victory to Seattle uh, in that moment. But, uh, you know, we were able to dodge those things. We still had some stupid penalties like the Ogletree penalty I talked about a moment ago, uh, the Bruce Irvin thing, but it was just they didn't hurt us as bad or at least it didn't it wasn't to our detriment yeah we still want to avoid those penalties and having those moments but we were able to recover from them whereas in the past those were like death knell things where it was the one step forward three steps back uh kind of thing and we would need another series of plays to recover from the mistake uh we just made so but like I said, we, we wanted to see more catches from Monty. We had back-to-back catches, one for 11, another one for 15. Gets us to the two-minute warning. Cole Komet makes a catch in the back of the end zone, but he's pushed out and lands both feet you know, on the back stripe there. And then, like I said, third and 14, uh, Foles finds Jimmy Graham in the end zone with for the jump ball in double coverage, and his hands were just higher than everybody else's. Foles put it in just the right spot. And uh, then like the, the Namir Bird catch, I'm still kind of marveling at. I'm actually kind of pissed. I was watching SportsCenter. It was number three in the top ten. It's like, really? Number three? Did you see what he did? He caught the ball in triple coverage because there was one guy behind him and two in front of him. Two, the two guys that were in front of him were trying to push him out of the end zone because you can do that. You can push him out of the end zone. He'd be ruled out of bounds. And he catches the ball with two hands and then one foot down, and then which was the right foot. So I'm sitting there watching in, in slow-mo, waiting for that left foot to come down. But before it does, the right knee hits the ground. And it hits the ground just before Demir Bird's right hand to brace himself before that hits out of bounds while Bird is holding the ball in one hand with his left hand. He crashes to the ground, holding the ball up in the air the whole time, holding the ball up in the air the whole time. And the the points count, the Bears, uh, you know, have successfully completed the comeback. Six plays, 80 yards, and I think a buck 56 to to get the the, the game-winning score. And, um, you know, the Bears... uh, and here's the thing that I didn't talk about in the reaction. I did mention it yesterday uh, on the Bear Up Bear Down show where a key moment in that football game, in that drive, and basically what saved the game for us was Roquan Smith, who was relatively quiet in the game as far as like making some of his wow plays. But on th- it was third and 16. Wilson finds Tyler Lockett uh, down the sideline and Tyler Lockett seems to be destined to get a first down before he runs out of bounds to try to, you know, save the drive, extend the chains, that kind of thing. And Roquan Smith runs him down and tackles him short of the line to gain, made it fourth and one. And why that's important is that on the very next play, the Seahawks, had a false start. Gerald Everett, the tight end, had a false start, making it fourth and six. So that's a different play out of the playbook. And on fourth and six, that's where Irvin got the pressure on Wilson. Wilson had to kind of throw it up. The ball flans innocently to the ground. Bears win despite the foolishness from uh, from uh, uh, Irvin to uh, with the taunting penalty that, uh, you know, I was afraid, and I think everybody else was, that he had just lost us the game. So the Bears hold on. 
25 to 24, the victory over the uh, Seahawks to improve to five and 10. Sad that that's the sentence that just came out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, but it was an outstanding effort from the guys, especially in the fourth quarter where you usually kind of see us where, like, where we have those moments. I mean, we, we did it the, pretty much the exact same way a few weeks ago, six weeks ago against the Steelers, seven weeks, week nine. We get the game-winning touchdown. We you know march it down the field. We, we fight our way back because I think we were down like 20 to six or something going into the fourth quarter of that game. And we're, you know, going with a minute 20 to go in the ball game. We take the lead 27, 26. We got the momentum and all that kind of stuff. All we got to do is get a stop on defense, close this puppy out. We go into the, uh, you know, into the break uh, of the bye week at four and five with a strong road victory come from behind, you know, like a growth moment from our quarterback type situation. And the defense just absolutely lets them run right down the field to kick the game winning. Uh, field goal and fields is all our miracles when we get the ball back with like 29 seconds so you you you, even after getting the getting the 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 game the touchdown taking the lead with the two point let having that you know aggressive mentality that Nagy showed throughout the game yesterday god bless him uh you know we've taken the lead we've completed the comeback we're winning the ball game there, there was no like, yes, the, you know, like the ultimate euphoria. It was all like, well, now it's in the defense's hands, and that hasn't worked out for us yet this year. It just hasn't, you know. And thankfully, uh, it did this time. Finally, finally. So it only took us sixteen games for the defense, or fifteen games for the defense to hold firm for us and protect something uh, at the end of the ball game, and they did it on the road against. Uh, Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the in the NFL. So proud of our guys, man. They did. Uh, they won us a game. Uh, they got us at least one more before the end of this. And uh, you know, Nagy was talking to the press today, saying that he does expect to be the head coach for these final two games to finish out the year. And when you think about the Bears' overall situation, it makes sense to let Nagy finish, even though we've been calling for his job since the Cleveland game. Um, not so much because we don't want to get a head start on these coaching interviews, which we would have be allowed to do this week, starting today on Tuesday. Um, when most of you are hearing this, I'm recording this on Monday night, like I said, but, um, you know, with the interviews allowed to be starting today on Tuesday, um, the, the real question is like the future of Ryan Pace because he would be the general manager who would most likely be in charge of conducting these interviews with future replacements. If we're going to keep Ryan Pace, then yeah, it does make sense to possibly let Nagy go or at least let him know he's done at the end of the year so that we can start conducting these interviews, take advantage of this new window the NFL is affording uh, teams. Like the Raiders and the Jaguars, I think, are taking full advantage of it starting tomorrow or today, Tuesday. And, um, but you know, are we going to have a president of football operations? Because that would be the guy that determines if Ryan Pace keeps his job. If we look for a new Ryan Pace and then who our head coach is going to be, uh, on top of that, are we going to restructure the front office? Uh, or are we going to stay as is, uh, do the pay, do the bears love pace so much 
They're going to let him come back. Do they elevate him to director of football operations and hire a new general manager? And the new kids? there's so many moving parts in that situation. As Adam Johns likes to say in their podcast, layers. There's too many. There's a lot of layers to it. It's not as black and white as fire Nagy and move on kind of thing. There's a few more caveats to the whole thing. So, um, so it makes sense for them to let him finish and then let them all, you know, let them decide all of those things at the end of the year when they can make the decisions final. But the season ends in Minnesota on July 9th or July, January 9th. And I fully anticipate that on the 10th, we will learn everybody's fate. Is Ryan Pace coming back? Is, uh, you know, obviously Nagy will, will hear about him as well. Hell, we might hear about Nagy on Sunday night. Who knows? Uh, that wouldn't be unprecedented. That happens all the time, actually. But, um, We'll have to wait and see what happens with the rest of it to see how the rest of the team is going to be structured. You know, are they going to to put Ted Phillips out to pasture? Is he going to retire or is he going to focus morely on the more so on the business side, like the new stadium in Arlington Heights and uh, and things like that? Uh, you know, or will they just will they run it back again? So it's just like, oh God, help us if they do that. Be like, you know what? The effort we gave in Seattle. The victory over the Giants and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it showed some real guts. This team has overcome so much, and we want Nagy to finish the job. Because Nagy's got one year left on his contract. 2022 would be the fifth and final year of the contract he signed with the Bears. So, you know, I shudder to think. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I hope. I hope that it doesn't. So I think we're, we're done here with, uh, with Nagy. We have not progressed as a football team. Despite the effort and the uh, no-quit attitude that our guys have and have displayed uh, for Nagy, it's uh, clear that the shortcomings of the football team are not going to be fixed with him at the helm. So, Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the deep dive review for week number 16. Our Bears win over the Seattle Seahawks to improve to 5-10. and 10. The Seahawks fall to 5-10 and 10 and uh, are really unhappy with themselves today. Um, and, uh, you know, we get ready for week 17. Now the giants are coming to town, uh, for the home finale of 2021. And, uh, we will not have a giants guest on the show, uh, this week. I was not able to, uh, get in touch with Ryan Dunleavy, who was our, uh, beat writer and, and our guest over the summer from the New York post. And, uh, so what we're going to do is on Thursday, when we would normally have our interview to, you know, to have our our, our uh, opponent guest on the show, we're going to have Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com to kind of talk about, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Giants, but more so I'm bringing Eric on to do what the Bears could have possibly done this week if they had fired Nagy, which was to start talking about who our head coach possibilities would be. So, um, you know, going to kind of shift gears a little bit. We will have a regular preview. We'll talk about the Giants and the Bears matchup on Friday uh, in the deep dive uh, preview with keys to the game and, and, uh, and news and notes and such. But uh, Thursday's um, preview guest episode will be with Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery talking more about head coaching and maybe even possibly uh, GM. And, and maybe he's heard, you know, how serious is the – president of football operations thing uh you know how serious is that is trace armstrong going to be coming back to be our little football czar kind of guy uh and what have you so look forward to that interesting conversation on thursday and then we'll do the full-blown preview 
on Friday to get you ready for Sunday between the Bears and the Giants. So come on back Thursday for Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery to help us talk about possible head coaching candidates and what the future of the Bears may hold uh, from January 10th and beyond. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.